I want to start the pot off hot with a question for you. Sure. Is it is it fucking 2023 or is it not? Because shit like that, like starting up Skype takes a minute and a half for the resolution to get tight. I mean, is it 2023 or is it still 2005? I ask myself this question almost every day. <laughs> I know. There are so many moments exactly like that in the day. But like part of it is that we're just kind of cheap asses. I don't know if you've, you've ever done Riverside. Oh, that's there's this, so true. <laughs> there's this product called Riverside that if you're on a podcast and they like know what they're doing and they like care about the production quality, it's like great because it like uploads individual files on both ends and then like it merges them. So like everything is on your local until it, it ends and then it downloads and then like merges the two sides into like this beautiful high quality thing. So when like you're watching a, a, an interview online and the, you're like, why is the quality of this so good? They probably, you know, recorded it on Riverside or a similar platform. And that's just like 15 bucks a month or something to, to have that. And it's like, oh, I don't know, like oh, Skype is not great. And like none of these so three ones <laughs> I was like, you're like, yeah, man, it's the difference between the rich and the poor, dude. You know, like us poor working class podcasters out here, you know, just digging in the coal mines and podcasting, you know, with Skype. And they're like, yeah, they've got these premium services like Riverside, man. Fucking fifteen dollars a month, man. <laughs> well, no, so so this is this is like my ultimate grief with like my life, Devin. My fucking life is that um, I have like a lot of hobbies, right? This is like one of many hobbies. True. Every single one of my hobbies Same. loses money, like loses money. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, at, I'm, I'm at this point money. in my life right now. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like one of my 2023 goals is to just start to break even on my hobbies, you know, and I'm almost there. But uh, something like a $15 a month, it's not like that's a lot of money, but that will just that's like further set me back on my goal. Surge, yeah, that's <laughs> going to surge you back under for years, dude. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, oh, you're trying to make money on your hobbies? You're a fool. You're a fool. Oh Peter. man, dude, it's it's so funny because on on Twitter X now you can monetize your tweets, right? Oh, okay. Okay. So How does that work? they put a little teeny, teeny tiny little banner at the top. Well, it's when you when a tweet you know gets a ton of of, of engagement that does bring in ad revenue because you know ads are attached to like popular tweets. So. Well, Elon is now sharing some of the some of the the money. And so like there are a couple of like, you know, huge platforms that do actually rake in like thousands of dollars a month, but it's only like the elect of the elect. And it's not even all of them. I think that it's kind of like shady how they're rolling out the money. But like huge brands, like I think Andrew Yang even this week, uh, they've been being super transparent about how much money they're making. I think I, I could be maybe wrong about this but i believe it was andrew yang he posted like he made i think it was like six dollars over the last month like andrew yang you know and he's like sharing it or doing a non-profit thing with it or something like that World but famous ultra celebrity andrew yang <laughs> well it's just like that it, a, a normie who like does intellectual ish content can't get bigger than a platform of someone like Andrew Yang, right? True. We can't, we could uh, never aspire true. to being bigger true. than like his platform that he just How happens dare to you, have. First of all, but absolutely, absolutely. So it's, it's hard, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hard being a, uh, a starving uh, content creator out here. <laughs> I know. But meanwhile, both of us have like 
killer median income like jobs <laughs> well that's why we can do this shit right it's not like i don't rely on this for money obviously i mean clearly yeah. My my other job is fucking begging on the street. <laughs> That's how I, <laughs> so I support my podcasting habit. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually a street corner beggar. Coming to you from a tent in downtown San Francisco. Yeah, this is actually Team guys, this, this is all shot in my tent on Market Street in San Francisco. I know it looks huge in here, but you know. I've spent a while constructing my podcast studio on 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 Sixteenth and Mission. <laughs> <laughs> a little fentanyl si- cells on the side, yeah. Yeah, Good yeah. Life. Hold on, Jeffrey. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Carla, get Jeffrey his fucking amphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get the Narcan ready. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, well, let's uh, let's jump into one of my topics today. Which is, I just randomly mentioned Andrew Yang, but I think that this is going to be related to him. So there's been, you know, are you aware of the 2024 presidential election cycle kicking off? Have you, you know, paid attention to the the news of this? I hope not, but I assume you have. I, you know, I, when the pod started, Pete, I was, I said, well, I won't be able to provide very much political commentary because I've been involved in other stuff. I'll just have to be color commentary today. I do know that there is a presidential election, and I do know that the Republicans had a debate. I mean, come on. Okay, <laughs> we're starting easy. We're, we're starting easy before we yeah, jump in. Yeah, meet. yeah, give me some softballs. <laughs> All right, softballs. Good. Okay, good. So far, so far on the same page. Okay. Yes. Okay, so there's this there's this guy, and his name is Vivek Ramaswamy, mm. and a lot of people have been comparing him to Andrew Yang, saying that he's the Republican candidate version of Andrew Yang. I followed the Yang campaign really closely and I'm still, you know, I still somewhat follow what he's up to. Yeah. So, you know, I maybe even just partly because of that, I've paid more attention to Vivek than probably I should have. And today I want to just for my own pleasure, I think dismantle that perspective that he has anything remotely in common with Andrew Yang other than they come from a technology background, you know, they made their money sort of tangentially in tech and finance, right? Is that the parallel people are drawing? I I can't think of a single way that these two dudes- I I actually don't get it. Like, I I don't really get why there is this parallel. But they're they're the young guys, they're young guys who have some form of independent wealth and they're taking that to be like the spoiler candidate within one of the mainstream parties, that sort of thing. But let me let me just like ask, have you followed Vivek at all? And what are your thoughts on him? I have a lot of thoughts and very few of them are good. But, you know, before I jump into my spiels, what do you what do you think? You know, it's interesting because I have been really disconnected from the news cycle for <laughs> almost the entire last month. But this guy's name is something that pops up in the zeitgeist like a lot. And interesting. Yeah. Which is interesting to me and I think is useful for the purpose of this discussion because it illuminates something that I believe is like akin to the Trump effect, where it's like everybody is saying a lot of uh, negative stuff about this guy, but uh, also people are saying a lot of stuff about this guy. Yeah. That the fact that of all of the Republican presidential candidates um, that were debating the other night, um, 
the fact that only one of them has poked through my kind of like head in the sand news bubble is kind of surprising to me. And I haven't, uh, I can't say that I've checked out his policy platform much. I've seen obviously some of the silly like rapping to Eminem at the state fair and like, you know, just kind of goofy stuff. My, my, so the overall impression that the news is giving me, and that, and I mean news like almost like as like a symbolic statement because I don't I haven't listened to much actual news programming, but the things that have been poking through to me about this guy is that he's Trump light, that he's super uh, on board with the Trump platform and loves Donald Trump, and is maybe running as a spoiler candidate, but like has. There's there's a tension there between him being like, I love Trump. I think he should be our next president, although also me, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, there's a bit of mutual exclusivity in those two ideas. Um, I haven't heard that much about him. Dude, Peter, illuminate illuminate the man for me. Illuminate the Swami. Okay. Well, <laughs> to keep it at least... Take us for to the, the Holy Land, Peter. <laughs> at least for the moment, to kind of, like, keep it in terms of the conversation of... Uh, him versus Yang and the comparisons there. Mm-hmm. Every single thing almost down the line, they're like kind of polar opposites. And so let me just like spell out a couple of these things, which, which is fascinating. So, or not fascinating, it's actually very boring, but it's worth saying. Andrew Yang wrote a book that partly launched his campaign and it was about UBI and how technology is going to automate away a lot of jobs. Uh, Vivek also had a book that kind of launched him into the public sphere and it was called Woke Inc. And it was all about wokeness wow. and how that's destroying society. And, you know, that colors almost everything, you know, going forward for these two gentlemen. So Andrew Yang, you know, talked about UBI, tech, talked about technology, and that was his platform. And, you know, everything kind of came back around to that. Vivek, at least especially early on, everything centered around how, like, wokeness is the enemy. He was very much parallel to, I would say, Ron DeSantis more than Trump, even in a sense, and that, like, that was Ron's big thing, just wokeness, right? Right. How that's destroying America and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Vivek has slightly, like, leaned away from just talking about wokeness because that just isn't really getting people as riled up as it kind of used to. But kind of still, like, everything kind of comes down to he's just, like, a cultural commentator, effectively, versus Yang, with who had, like, real meaty policies yeah. back in the day centered used around— to. Uh, yeah, used to <laughs> centered around a, a, a tangible threat that he felt was authentically looming, you know, on the horizon. Right. Automation. So Vivek, right now, he's getting a lot of attention for being pro-Trump, for which you know, I don't know reasons that are hard to quite understand, given that he's trying to be president himself. And he's a dick writer and he's trying to get people to like him. <laughs> yeah, I I think that like his his probably his strategy is that he will get the Trump base. And then when yeah. Trump uh, for whatever reason, and there are a couple of reasons why he might when he's like kicked off, like kicked right. out, uh, maybe going to jail or whatever, uh, he can keep that support where everyone else is alienated the Trump base. So maybe they'll no. all say like, 
Then the old Swami slides in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's doing like the pro-Trump stuff. So whatever Trump said, he's kind of on board with. And then he's just talking about foreign policy. And he's he's positioning himself as like the really like the strong man who's going to solve the Ukraine crisis and who's going to just be the guy, like the one single guy who is going to fix everything. Tell but it's about- like something else that he's got his claws in foreign policy wise besides the obviously intractable ukraine situation what an absurd place to plant your flag what else do you do you well do you know just to pause on that for a second do you know what his strategy is for ukraine because it's like insane and out there and very dumb but can i like are you aware of it no i'd love to hear it okay nutshell uh he wants to he personally, this is like, you know, I will do this type of shit, which is so annoying when politicians do this. And he does this a lot. Like I am the guy who will solve this problem. Right. He is going to personally, um, give the Dumbass region to Putin and makes, make it the case that, uh, Ukraine will never join the UN and in to, to balance that out, Russia and China have to sever their ties to some degree so that they're no longer best buds going against the rest of the world, in a sense. And so he's going to like, he has to like do that. His idea is to do this trick where he basically gives Putin everything that he wants. And then he's going to. In 1942. And then he's going to make it so that she and Putin come to some agreement, none of which is at all remotely possible because all of these guys are like, you know, the most intense politicians on the planet Earth. And here's this newbie guy who knows nothing about foreign policy or politics at all. He's never been in this world. (laughs) Probably also also the idea that like a what is he early 30s, like Indian guy. Yeah, yeah, like a like a like a late thirties guy is gonna come in and 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 like mend the the bridge between the two. Like, I've got my doubts. <laughs> I've noticed this thing about him where the less he knows on the topic, the more confident he is about it. Which all is not a yeah, all the Trump and also he's just a car salesman. Like he does just a car salesman thing. Can can I? I wanna I wanna just to get it on the table. Uh, Put it on can the I table, tell, baby. Can I tell you, like, how he got his money to begin with? Ooh, how do you get his money? Because this is pretty fascinating. So he went to law school. Clearly, he's a smart guy. No one says he's not a smart guy. Sure. But he, again, like, in a world that he didn't really have much to do with, he jumped into the world of biotech financing. Okay. And so there was this drug. It was this Alzheimer's drug that had failed all of its i know the one uh, you're talking about yeah okay so it, it failed all like the studies to like yeah. see if it were, were viable uh yeah. failed off he purchased it for like four million dollars which means like if the drug worked at all it would be worth billions right he sure. purchased it for four so that alone says the drug companies have given up given up on this and it doesn't work he had his mom come in look at one of these four studies and like do some like tweaks to it or something so that it kind of like passed like the bare minimum of what it needed to to move on to the next level at this point he started going on tv he started talking it up like this is the miracle drug that we've been waiting for with alzheimer's i'm starting to hate this guy all of a sudden wow it the stock skyrocketed Uh. you can like on the chart went whoop like way up he right then he and his family and like all of his buddies they sell their stock right before the new trial 
comes out that shows, yeah, it is, it doesn't work. It actually doesn't work. And then so the, straight down, like, so all the people who invested in this, minus like him and his family, lost everything, just lost tons of money. And he walked away pocketing billions of dollars. And it was a scam and it's gross. And like, that's the thing that he is riding off of. That's why he's like this genius young billionaire. It's because he was a scam artist. And like, the whole thing is just gross and disgusting. That alone is semi, I mean, if not like fully disqualifying, it seems like that's maybe worse than Trump University. I, That's who this guy is. Uh, I, you know, you got to respect the hustle. I don't mind when people, <laughs> I, I don't mind when people fleece the rich. Cause it's not like he was like, it, I, I doubt it was a billion people that gave him like five bucks. I bet you it was a bunch of venture capital firms that like gave him whatever seed money he needed or dumped a bunch of money into the stock and shit like that. However, maybe, I mean, I will say that a lot of like a lot of dumb dumbs who are novices in the stock market thing. will see a guy on C, uh, uh, whatever oh, that, that, that stock true, show true, is. So, oh my God, this is the new miracle drug. And then they'll put like $20,000 they can't afford to lose oh, into this one good. stock. I'm sure a lot of people lost a ton of money that they couldn't have afforded to lose, you know? So yeah, there's that too. But yeah, it's interesting. I, that actually is not the drug that I was thinking of. And it's happened a lot recently with um, Alzheimer drugs because the amyloid plaque hypothesis of Alzheimer's has not been entirely disproven, but is like hanging on by an absolute thread. I'm th I think the, the vast preponderance of the medical community now recognizes that that hypothesis that's been guiding the research towards um, curing Alzheimer's, alleviating the symptoms of Alzheimer's has been misled. I mean, it, it began, you know, many years ago with a study that was in a similar way, kind of foisted into a direction. Mm. And so I don't know. It's like, that's man, that sucks, dude. Screw this guy. I know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. What a bummer. Um, I hate to hear that. I hate to hear it. I, I um, I'm not particularly surprised by it, I suppose, but boy, that's gross. Somebody somebody get some attack ads rolling on this boy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you know, another thing that's interesting is that there was this guy Will Hurd. I'm not a huge fan of him necessarily, and he's not going anywhere. But uh, he's a Republican from Texas, and he actually has a lot of experience and cares a lot about and talks a lot about technology, how technology is going to influence the future and should be talked about in, in, in terms of like the national political discourse. He would be maybe the, the comparable Andrew Yang on the Republican side. Mm. And he's just a little bit, unfortunately, too sane for the Republican Party <laughs> because he talks about how Trump is a menace. Like he does like a Chris Christie thing. And so you never you never hear about him, and he didn't make the the first debate, that sort of a thing. It's just unfortunate that the state of the Republican Party is they just love the car salesman with a greasy, slimy background who has a you know talks super like a big game and like is a strong man talking points, but like just he's that's that's it. that's Let that's me, all that he has. I got two I got two things just popped in my head. One. If if it's a if it's a slick talking car salesman Indian guy, 
that gets like the the majority of Republicans not hating brown people. I don't know how mad at it I am. <laughs> See, I, I mean, I just don't know if that's even true that Republicans hate brown people. I think that that's something that fed to us by the media that like, we're not a racist country like we used to be at all at all. There are outliers, yeah. but I just don't think your average Republican cares what someone's skin color is. They're the ones being like doing the whole thing of like, let's forget about race and skin color. It's boring to talk about. I hear more Republicans say that. It's the Democrats and the, and the lefties who are like obsessed with race nowadays. So I think it's kind of, I mean, you, to be fair, you spent a lot of time in Montana. You know a lot more Republicans at this point than I do. But the people that I do know who are leaning Republican, they're like over talking about race and like everyone's cool. Let's just chill. We're America. We're diverse. Yeah. Awesome. You know what I mean? I think you're right. I think there's, I think it's a bit of two minds though. I think that that aggressive intentional racism is definitely on the extreme decline. I think casual ignorant racism is still pr pretty prevalent. Like I'm sure a lot of people have predisposed ideas about Indian people, black people, Asian people, people that they haven't had very much contact with because, yeah. they, because they're being fed like media narratives from here, from there, from wherever. Um, it does make me happy though that somebody that's like a legit brown dude is like right in the middle of the public spotlight for the Republican party because at the end of the day, uh, it hasn't been the Republican party's uh, habit up until extremely recently to have anything other than old white guys on those stages, unless somebody Very just yep. elbowed their way in, you know, and, and really had to like blaze a path for themselves. And then they still kind of get shoved to the side. If, if we're at a point where the Republican party's like, I like this guy, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not too, too, uh, upset about that. And True. he's a young, and, and, and he's, he's a Hindu. young guy. He's not Christian. He's Hindu too. Oh, that's what's up. Oh, I mean, he talks as he talks tough, like a Christian. That, he talks about like God, like <laughs> as if God were a singular well, he has entity. Yeah, I know he, exactly. He has, he has you know, no yeah. choice because like, <laughs> dude, oh man, dude, come on, man. Little fucking little, little Hindu uh, altar in the fucking Oval Office. I'm I'm wet, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Take down some of those Jesus paintings. I love this <laughs> Well, maybe maybe one last just point that I'll, I'll mention that's interesting. Just just comes into my mind when you mentioned like Repu Republicans and diversity. Do you know who I thought like killed it on the Republican stage of the first debate? Nikki Haley, like she, she did like great. And I did not expect her, I didn't expect anything from her. And she kind of like killed it. And like a lot of commentators said that she won the debate and I don't necessarily disagree, which is kind of fascinating. And it's going to be interesting to see if she makes, you know, maybe she could be the first Republican woman running like at the top of the ticket, or maybe she could be the VP or something like she's showing that she, she's like, I don't know. She has the chops to like really catch people, people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for it, man. Even if the next Republican is, it's so crazy to be in an era where you feel nostalgic for George Bush. Oh my God. It's yeah. So nuts. Like yep. bless his dumbass little heart dude but like george bush it's crazy somebody was t uh, talking about it the other day on something i was listening to where it was like you know what george bush and obama were good at was getting on tv when something bad happened yeah and just being like hey guys president here rough day but i'm here but i'm here for you and it's funny because we've lost the sense that that how important that is like mm -hmm. I, it, they were talking about biden and the the hawaii um, wildfire and how he didn't get on TV. And it's like, we got to bring that back, man. We got to bring back that idea that if anything is happening, like a mass shooting, a big fire, like 
get your ass on TV, dude, and just tell people it's going to be okay. That is your basically your entire job. The whole other apparatus of government is running itself. You know, like the president has such an amazingly small slice of functional control over the way that the, the United States government writ large yeah. operates. His main job is to have a vibe, is just to have yep. a calm, cool vibe and, you know, hopefully be a strong person that's able to make decisions if somebody wants to come and fuck with us. But mostly that when things happen domestically, you pop up and you say, hey, man, it's going to be all right. It's just crazy because Bush was actually really good at that. And he was like kind of like a dastardly character, but only as much as Cheney was, you know, yeah. and like he was just kind of a dumb guy that was nice. He was nice. People vibe with him. Oh, you know, the other thing I want to say, man, real quick, before we put a bow on this conversation, is that this conversation always brings me back to this idea that the reason why the Republican Party is in disarray and, and to some extent the reason why the Democratic Party is in disarray is because people are still not figuring out how to speak to uneducated people. And it's yeah. like mm -hmm. without without being mean about it. And it's like it's like we got to take the stigma away from this idea of being educated because it's actually fucking meaningless in our current version of society where it's like I make $50 an hour, dude. I did not graduate college. I'm making double, maybe even close to triple of what like a PhD candidate would make. You know what I mean? And it's like functionally education is not really that important in our society in terms of how much you make and how you contribute to the overall welfare and, and workings of society. You have your con contribution at your level. And as long as you're making that, that's great. But what politicians are really still fucking up on is that they're allowing these charismatic clowns to come and sweep the attention of of un and undereducated Americans and it's like yes dude they're undereducated people they want to be entertained entertainment mm -hmm. is a way that they that is a way that they engage with society in a functional way they're not sitting in uh, poker rooms and and talking about the complexities of modern politics that's just not what's happening they need to be entertained they want to be entertained or they just want to be spoken to in language that they can understand. And mm -hmm. like, I just want to see candidates start to remember that like the vast majority of this country is un and undereducated people that just need to be spoken to simply and need to have clear, just very clear, simple language around what they're doing, what they're going to do, how their policy platform is going to unwind, you know, stuff like that. And th and that's why I say it reminds me of George Bush, because he had that right. Like he was so simple in the way that he delivered the information so colloquial, you know, and not particularly like a theatrical dude in terms of like trying to rile people up around dumb shit. You know what I mean? Just really kind of trying to speak to the heartland of America in language they could understand. And like Republican Party, pull your shit together and just find a way to speak to your base in a way that's like respectful and not theatrical. Like they don't need that from you. They just need clear, simple directive and like language that they can understand, man. I mean, I think yes and. No, the no there is that uh, a lot of the Republicans are, they've become really bitter about the direction that the country is going. So they want someone who can talk to them like Trump, but also again, like Trump, someone who can like totally bust the balls of the, of the liberal side of, of the country. And, right. and they, so there's this whole like, 
you know, red state versus blue state. And you, you do have to like feed into that, you know? Sure. And I don't know. I think that that's like the toxic part, but yeah, I mean, I do think that you can almost predict who's going to become president by the, just like the, the cadence and the confidence. Yeah. And the simplicity of the yeah. way that they speak. And that was Biden and that was Trump and that was Bush and that was Obama. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you have that, like, you know, that just quiet confidence. Yeah. Uh, Trump is, is a, is, is a weirdo, but he, he had like, he could, man, he can talk to some like dumb, dumb Midwesterners, you know, performer, man. like the <laughs> yeah, guy is, yeah. the guy is a preternatural performer for yep. sure. 